right, so welcome to La Mancita. My name is Edgar. My name is Antonio. And today we have a special guest, uh, Sadie, Sadie Woods. Woods. Yeah. So her practice is rooted in a post-disciplinary background, drawing heavily from a performing and a visual arts. Training as well as a cultural experience and education, DJing has been a culminated point between taste uh, making and space making, connecting songs to cultural and personal currents and memory. While DJing is the democratic and collaborative, uh, it has possibilities to engage social political spheres through sound and performance. So, as a yeah, welcome multi- to La Mesita. Uh, yeah, thank welcome. you. Yeah. So, as how, are a you? Multi- how are you? Feeling? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's nice to um, share my practice with you guys and to learn about what you're doing. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah no, problem. no problem. Our special guest, as uh, as we musicians, you know. We're having another musician. Uh, you do DJs and stuff, and then we do guitars, which is a cool thing. You know, uh, especially right now with this, uh, the thing uh, occurring right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's something to distract, you know. So as a multi, multi, multi-disciplinary artist, what is the most inspiring subject to create art? What is the most inspiring subject? Yeah. Wow, I feel like um, I move between mediums quite fluidly and I have for a long time. I've been doing a lot of um, visual art and, and, and music practices side by side for a long time. And for me, they are both equally important channels for creativity and also um, ways to to document or canonize histories that aren't necessarily included in pop culture, um, and also ways to re-examine um, subcultures, right? That that uh, that raise many of us and have influenced many of us in in doing the work that 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 we do. I know it does for me. And so, what makes me excited? Um, I, I find the common thread is usually. Um, work that relates to social movements, resistance, um, cultural memory um, and retention, and also storytelling and the the secrets that lie within the music, especially um, mm-hmm. that's passed down for generations. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, so it it constantly motivates me to do the research and to. And to do the work to um, put those stories together, right, in my own way, um, as a DJ especially. So, like, when I'm doing sets, I'm thinking about storytelling um, through words, through feeling, and, and, and taking people on a journey in that respect. And also keeping a memory alive in that way. Uh, in your bio, you mentioned, mentioned like, your Latino roots. What defines you as an um, I'm black and Puerto Rican, and I was raised with both cultures, black American culture, Puerto Rican culture, and um, and my parents made it a point for me to understand that and, and to stay connected to that as challenging as it can be and has been um, at times, especially with older generations having to deal with assimilation and, um, and 
passing down those teachings of what that that impact is and what that entails and what it continues to mean now with younger generations is something that I had to process for myself and really come to um, into my own and and figure out what that meant for me at this time right now and how I navigate my own life with uh, with those kinds of teachings and the more I've been doing my work, the more important it has been for me to focus on those aspects in my work, um, especially thinking about visibility or going beyond representation, right? Like it's cool to have representation and it's empowering to some aspect, but what are the, the deeper underlying um, spiritual things that, that uh, sometimes become armor for us like what is that what is that work that needs to be done beyond representation is kind of what i'm looking at within my work mm. so uh so from what you do like what is it what is it like uh the thing that you enjoy the most and why what do i enjoy the most yeah um i feel like It changes. It changes for me. Um, I have moments where I feel creative for myself, where I'm producing my own work, and then I take, you know, time away to do curatorial projects if I feel like I need a break from my own work, and I and I take that time to focus um, on work with peers or to connect with other artists to like learn what the conversations are now in this moment and to highlight other work that I feel like is important or is also resonating with things that I'm thinking about. So it, it's, it changes for me what, what's enjoyable. Um, but what ha I, what I have um, as of this year really acknowledged, I guess, for myself was the importance to talk about my practice. I haven't really talked much publicly about my DJ practice or why I make the work I'm, I make, which mm -hmm. seems maybe a little bit ridiculous, but I really only started to talk more publicly about it this year. And I've been doing the arts and working in the arts since I was like 17. Um, wow. And I started like seriously, I started more seriously when I was like 17 um, and also I've been DJing and curating close to 20 years at this point. And so to be <laughs> this far down or this far along in my career and really now just feeling I'm at a point to to talk publicly about how I process my own work is has been, um, I feel like I've arrived, you know, at a place where I'm actually now comfortable to do that and I have a language for it now because I've been doing it long enough to know how to I guess communicate those things so mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of what stuck out to me more recently so uh, any afro like afro diaspora inspired you to do art or activity some music like afro diaspora Yeah, so initially, um, part of my music study, so I have a background in visual arts and, and also performing arts, and I studied music as a jazz singer um, in, in for my undergrad. And so part of that journey was also studying a lot of jazz and Afro-Latin jazz, you know, 
um, is somewhere I really, really gravitated towards um, the most. And of course, like I was raised with all kinds of music. My parents were also musicians, so um, I had quite a, a wealth of knowledge from that. But what I, when I really fell in love with music, it was with Afro-Latin jazz in particular. Um, and so that was kind of driving me to want to do more music um, and, and be involved in a capacity as a singer. And that's what I thought I would be doing with my career. I, I actually did not um, set out to DJ in particular, but it's something that I fell into because I was really also into like production and, and really kind of critical in those kinds of ways. And um, and I, I was always around DJs. I had a lot of DJ friends. And so I eventually fell into that um, because of my love for music and, and having access also. So um, it's been an interesting journey, you know, like, and I would definitely say like, you can have an interest in something, but, you know, be open to other possibilities. You never know where that can take you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's great um, how like, uh, how life can change something for the best, right? Yeah. Yeah, really yeah. fast. But uh, so let's take a break. Uh, Sadie, so what's your favorite new song and that you can recommend to play? Um, so I have one song that I recently discovered and I really, really love. And um, if it was a song for 2020 or reflective of what's happening now, this would be the song that I would choose for that. And it's mm -hmm. by Cleo Soul and the song is called When. Do you guys know that song? By who? I've heard it yet. Cleo Soul. I think I know him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so my, I'm gonna... my uncle listens to that. Yeah. 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 It's it's she's a she's a sing a vocalist. Um, her parents are also jazz musicians, so you can kind of hear the influence in her work. Um, and it mm. reminds me of a lot of like '90s acid jazz music that yeah. was popular, yeah. which I really love. So. So remember, this is La Misita. We're talking with Sadie Woods, multidisciplinary artist, and we will be right back after this break. I can feel that you're scared. I am scared, so let's be scared so I can fight. Who do I fight? Not myself. Not today. I won't play that game. Not today Just know that you are 
so we're back. We're back in La Mesita with Sadie Woods, a uh, multidisciplinary artist. Uh, and we're back. Uh, I have a question for you, Sadie. Mm -hmm. uh, since you've traveled all over the world, what is your favorite culture and what's the connection you have with the music and the, the art you perform with, it, with the culture? Um, I would say there's been different moments for uh, each travel that I've done. Um, thinking about uh, like for a time period, I was really into like Europe and electronic music there. Um, especially like German techno and French house, stuff like that. Um, and then uh, more recently, I've been traveling to Africa and South America. Um, and I would say that I identify or I feel more most connected with um, like the Caribbean, Latin America, the global South. Um, for sure. And it's where I've decided to really focus my work as far as thinking about diasporic music um, and looking for the connections with the old and new. So like researching um, more traditional music that's been uh, remixed or reworked in electronic music, electronic dance music in particular. And that's what I focus on collecting for my DJ sets. So, um, of course, going to places like this year in Brazil and Mexico, I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to come back home. But yeah. uh, we were on the brink of a global pandemic. So if I wouldn't have came home, I would have been stuck there without a job. Um, so I had to come back home. But um, I would like to, you know, continue my work in that respect. And something else that I've been working on in visual art and, and also thinking about music in this respect is uh, diasporic practices, carnival practices, and looking at the connection of liberatory practices in relation to slavery and, um, and the music and the performance that has come out of that that is well-documented all over the world, but what we mostly know are the pageantry aspects, the pretty parts, but not necessarily the history behind why um, these things take place. So that's what I'm focusing on more specifically um, this year, next year, with some upcoming work that I have coming. Um, so that's also been influencing how I collect music as well. Great, great. Um, so, so since, since we we are quarantined, has, has uh, any of this, this uh, have been affected by what you do as an artist? It's affected everything. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. all my work has been canceled for the most part. Um, I've had to cancel work for other musicians as well and artists. All my work is basically public facing work and it requires audience participation um, and also sharing space with people. So this whole shift um, has really been uh, an adjustment to say the least. Um, and I don't think that we're anywhere near any kind of resolution for this. 
Um, and there's also like, you know, dealing with the real human aspects of this, not just thinking about getting straight back to business as usual, but thinking about what people are actually going through um, and, and losing people at this time um, and, and how that's impacting, you know, on a, on a whole nother level of, of being in a global pandemic. So um, I am taking my time uh, you know, navigating the space and really practicing a lot of patience and also just kind of, you know, researching what other people are doing to kind of work through what is our new reality um, and what what to make of this of this moment. I don't necessarily rely a lot on or I, I like to think that I don't or I haven't relied a lot on online activity to engage people. I prefer being in person. This is different. You know, it's a different type of energy exchange with, with people when you're in, in person. But um, given the circumstance, this is, this is uh, kind of pushing to rethink what tools we have available to connect with folks, right? And how to uh, reorganize work um, and still maybe, you know, think about how to keep the integrity of work and also being authentic and, and, and considering the human aspects of work, which usually is not considered, especially um, when you're in industries where you're uh, required to produce constantly. So I think it's a, uh, it's been a time of reflection overall and adjusting. So what's what's the struggle of living in this new digital era, you know, with this pandemic? Like what have you learned that you you wouldn't have learned if you if this wouldn't happen? Something good. Um I think people are there's a little bit more revealed with the veils. People are more vulnerable and are sharing that more now than ever, um, which has been interesting to see and also to process and, and thinking about that like in the work and, and really thinking about what matters, what really matters, what is fluff, you know, um, and thinking about like what what is it about the arts that's important? Of course, like quarantine will be miserable without music or art. We know that, but what what can art be done? And for me, this is what I think about overall in the aspect of liberation um, and really moving people into uh, liberatory spaces within um, their mind, their spirit, their body, um, and also the healing aspects of that as well. So that's kind of, that's where my head is at right now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So is there any like projects that inspire you to create new art and make you distracted during this pandemic? Um, what I've been doing is going through my catalogs of ideas of mm. music. Um, thoughts, notebooks, all those things. I've been revisiting a lot of that and um, just 
to remind myself why I do the work I do. Why is it important to me? What do I want to continue? Is my constant question to myself. Um, and what is what is worth moving forward with at this time? What's resonating? What matters? So those have been plenty of distractions for me. <laughs> and then I've also <laughs> been, um, you know, trying to do things like rest um, and not being overproductive because I feel like I, a lot of my career has been um, has functioned on overproductivity and not really leaving space for like work balance or being a human person and allowing space for me to process or to feel things or whatever I need to do to to uh, stay well and stay balanced. So that that has definitely also come to the forefront for me. I don't think that being in quarantine means that we have to constantly be working and producing on stuff uh, for for public facing uh, benefits, but rather some of that work is private, um, internal, and for ourselves. Uh, well, let's take a break. Another break. Uh, we'll put some like music. Do you suggest another song? Yeah, I will play. Let's see. Um, It's a Brazilian house song called uh, Todo Bang, which I really like, and I'll play that for you guys. Yeah, we'll be glad to hear. Tudo bem? 
And we're back with more. And uh, this is La Mesita with Edgar. And Antonio. And we're here talking with uh, Sadie Woods about music and art. So Sadie, what did you, uh, what did we just hear? Like the, the music, what did it represent? Yeah, it's a, a Brazilian house song called uh, Ben, which um, which I've been playing quite a bit. It means everything's good, you know, like kind of like what's up or, you know, some uh, response that people would say casually to each other. And um, it was, of course, a part of my experience in Brazil and one of the things that I learned to say. So I, <laughs> I kind of uh, just... Um, grew an attachment to it and was having fun with it. So I like playing that song because it, it's it's a feel good song to me. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. it sounds like uh, it has a happy rhythm. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> before the pandemic, uh, you were in Mexico City and Brazil. So uh, what were you doing there? In Brazil, I was a part of a, a artist exchange called Close to There or Puerto de la, which was an exchange between Chicago artists and Brazilian artists um, in sound and visual arts. So um, the first exchange happened here in Chicago through uh, Comfort Station, which is a nonprofit in Chicago that organized this with a couple other organizations in Mexico and Brazil. And then the second part happened in Brazil. So I joined them for the second half because I wanted to uh, participate with the, the artists that were there, that were in the program. And also because I'd never been to Brazil before and I definitely didn't want to go by myself because um, it's not a place I think like that would be easy to navigate without knowing Portuguese. Um, so, I, I joined, I performed there and um, and experienced the culture like through food, through music, through art, and it was really rich and um, and we were in Salvador. And so the time that we were there, it was also the Jamanja festival. So it was like pre-carnival festival and we got to see some of those celebrations, performances, and also a lot of the altars and, and the public. Um, prayers that were happening and ceremonies and stuff. So it was quite nice to be there during that time. And then from Mexico, I was in Mexico City for the Lit Loose Festival and I was a music director for that. So I um, played music for the performances. It's a literary festival. So I played music for um, for poets and, and, uh, and choreographers that were performing in Mexico City. And um, that was also my first time in Mexico City uh, as well. And I really just love like the culture, you know, the, the music, the food, you know, it was it was a great experience as well. And um, there's a lot of just like creativity, I feel there, a lot of activism was happening too. At the time, there's been a lot of issues with femicide there. Um, yeah. So when I was there, there was a huge protest um, going on. So the social awareness is, is ingrained in the culture there, which I really appreciate. I think that we're, we're, we are there in some respects here, um, more so now uh, with like the Black Lives Matter movement that has happened and such. But what I really enjoyed or what stood out for me in Brazil in particular was how ingrained Black culture was in popular culture 
Um, for example, they have public sculptures of Orishas there. You know, we would never mm-hmm. see an Orisha in, in the downtown Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so those those aspects, I I really was uh, appreciative of being able to have the opportunity to experience that um, in these moments, right? Of of all these changes, you know, that are happening um, globally. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so you also went to South America and what was your favorite part of South America and why? My favorite part, um, I've only been to, I've only been to Brazil in South America. Um, it's been a long time dream, I'll say that for me, especially um, with being a long time fan of like um, Afro-Latin jazz, bossa nova, uh, samba, bachicada, all these things. And what's interesting about a lot of the Tropicalia music from Brazil, it, all of that music started from protests. So that it was originally protest music. And um, and it really kind of started my interest of thinking about how protest music existed internationally, not just like in the States through the civil rights movement, but really looking at that time period um, across the globe and what was happening um, with music in that way and how music was used as um, a form of telling the truth, you know, storytelling and, and, and liberation for folks and also social mobilizing. And so these are the concepts that I think about as a DJ, like what what ideas are, am I pushing forward, right? With the work that I'm choosing to play um, and how I play it, where I play it. And what really got me more um, into Thinking about that is is working at restaurants, right? So I've, I've DJed at, in restaurants and hotels for many years. And what I found specifically with like concept restaurants is that like, for example, a Brazilian restaurant, um, like Sushi Samba, I used to work for Sushi Samba. Um, we would play all that music, Samba, Bossa Nova, Tropicalia music, and people would be fine dining and being entertained by uh, samba dancers and whatnot. And it made me start to think about how these moments that were meant to be protest um, and liberatory have now become entertainment and how, and in a form of pageantry, right? And and how, how has it lost, um, how has it lost its history within those translations, right? Where it's just like now seen as entertainment and how can entertainment be used to kind of um, give these these messages or these practices new life, right? So those are definitely the things like when I'm traveling to places like Brazil is what I'm thinking about when I'm going there. And really a lot of the motivation behind me traveling to these places is to better understand the people and the circumstances that created these types of movements. You know, it, it informs how uh, how I I use my music in in my practice. 
Uh, so do you have any projects in the future that you were planning or were in progress before the whole thing happened? Yeah, I always have, I'm always juggling projects all the time because I, I can't help myself. It's um, cool. I, have, <laughs> I always have at least four or five or maybe 10 things happening at once. Um, but I do have a couple of things that are coming out that I'm really excited about that are more Chicago based. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a compilation called Party is Protest. And it is a part of the official unofficial voting station project with uh, artist Aram Hansi Fuentes. And it is um, a project where she creates these mock pop-up voting stations for people who legally can't vote. So looking at um, immigrant communities, also formerly incarcerated communities, youth, et cetera, like, uh, disenfranchised communities that are not able to vote and creating voting systems to um, give voice to what choices they would make if they were able to participate in these uh, systems, right? And so what I've been doing is working with her to create these specific playlists that go along with these installations. And so this year I'm putting out a compilation called Party is Protest and it features all um, Chicago artists um, who make protest music essentially um, and kind of giving soundtracks to that and celebrating it and having a party, part, you know, protesting as a party. Um, and then I'm also working on the Hood Wazee mixtape. So the Hood Wazee, is a local um, show, um, highly politicized show that talks about current events. And um, they feature local artists every show when there were shows, um, public shows. Now it's now it's just an online uh, show. But um, I'm working with the artists that have been featured on the show to make a mixtape to showcase their work, so. Those are the two main things coming out. Uh, do you have like something in mind like that you're gonna do after this quarantine finishes? Do you think everything is gonna be back to normal? No. How it was. <laughs> no, I definitely, and I've been um, thinking about it, talking about it, and really I think that um, without a vaccine, and with so many people that are high risk, um, including myself, right? Anybody with a pre-existing uh, condition, or you know, anything from asthma to diabetes to you name it. If you have a pre-existing condition, you're at high risk, right? So think about all the people in the communities, black and brown communities. That are High risk. So those people being essential workers, um, it's going to be impossible to go back to what what is quote unquote normal, where you can have more than fifty people in a space, a concert hall, a festival, um, school, even right to mm-hmm. convene together without um, making the pandemic worse. We haven't even hit the plateau yet in Chicago <laughs> and it's already May, you know? I think the impact that we're gonna have is gonna be longer lasting than people are anticipating. I don't I don't think we're gonna see the end of this at the end of the year, you know, COVID 
19 doesn't have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. So, no, no, I don't think we're going to go back to normal. So, um, if there was a song for you, what song would it be Just uh, that represents you as a Afro-Latina uh, woman? There is a song that I really like. Um, and then Charlie, I can send this to you. But there's a song. So I started to do a new project called Aphrodisia. Mm -hmm. And it is a, a DJ persona that I am uh, developing. And it is was inspired by a song uh, called Aphrodisia. And it's on Giles Peterson's compilation from... Uh, Cuba that he worked on. And so I would say that would be the song mm -hmm. for this moment. Yeah. Um, it's an instrumental, but it's something that really resonated with me. It's, uh, you know, it's it's like a Afro-Latin fusion type song. Jazzy, um, smooth, it's sexy. I think like it's very, it has a way about it. Um,
This was Las Mesita with Saturday Woods. Uh, we want to thank you for being with us and uh, share your music, you know. Thank you. We uh, Where we can uh, find your uh, music and our projects? Um, yeah, my website is sadiewoods.com. Everything mm -hmm. is there. And then I also have mixes on SoundCloud under Sadie Woods and Aphrodisia. Mm, okay. So, yeah. So make sure, make sure to check her out, you know. Yeah, she's uh, amazing, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Edgar. My name is Antonio. And take and care, you wash your hands. Take care, wash your hands, and stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Peace.